Chapter 9 of The Practice and Science of Drawing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Practice and Science of Drawing by Harold Speed. Chapter 9 Mass Drawing Practical. This is the form of drawing with which painting in the oil medium is properly concerned. The distinction between drawing and painting that is sometimes made is a wrong one, insofar as it conveys any idea of painting being distinct from drawing. Painting is drawing, that is, the expression of form with the added complication of color and tone. And with a brush full of paint as your tool, some form of mass drawing must be adopted, so that at the same time that the student is progressing with line drawing, he should begin to accustom himself to this other method of seeing, by attempting very simple exercises in drawing with the brush. Most objects can be reduced broadly into three tone masses, the lights, including the high lights, the half-tones, and the shadows. And the habit of reducing things into a simple equation of three tones, as a foundation on which to build complex appearances, should early be sought for. Exercise in Mass Drawing Here is a simple exercise in mass drawing with the brush that is, as far as I know, never offered to the young student. Select a simple object. Some of those casts of fruit hanging up that are common in art schools will do. Place it in a strong light and shade, preferably by artificial light, as it is not so subtle and therefore easier, the light coming from either the right or left hand, but not from in front. Try and arrange it so that the tone of the ground of your cast comes about equal to the half-tones in the relief. First draw in the outlines of the masses, strongly in charcoal, noting the shapes of the shadows carefully, taking great care that you get their shapes blocked out in square lines in true proportion relative to each other, and troubling about little else. Let this be a setting, out of the ground, upon which you will afterwards express the form, rather than a drawing, the scaffolding, in fact, that you were advised to do in the case of a line drawing, only in that case the drawing proper was to be done with a point, and in this case the drawing proper is to be done with a brush full of paint. Fix the charcoal well, with a spray diffuser, and the usual solution of white shellac in spirits of wine. Taking raw umber and white oil paint, mix up a tone that you think equal to the half-tones of the cast before you. Extreme care should be taken in matching this tone. Now, scumble this with a big brush equally over the whole canvas, or whatever you are making your study on. Don't use much medium, but if it is too stiff to go on thinly enough, put a little oil with it but no turpentine. By scumbling is meant rubbing the color into the canvas, 
working the brush from side to side rapidly and laying just the thinnest solid tone that will cover the surface if this is properly done and your drawing was well fixed you will just be able to see it through the paint now mix up a tone equal to the highest lights on the cast and map out simply the shapes of the light masses on your study leaving the scumbled tone for the half-tones. Note carefully where the light masses come sharply against the half-tones and where they merge softly into them. You will find that the scumbled tone of your ground will mix with the tone of the lights with which you are painting and darken it somewhat. This will enable you to get the amount of variety you want in the tone of the lights. The thicker you paint, the lighter will be the tone, while the thinner paint will be more affected by the original half-tone and will consequently be darker. When this is done, mix up a tone equal to the darkest shadow, and proceed to map out the shadows in the same way as you did the lights, noting carefully where they come sharply against the half-tone and where they are lost. In the case of shadows, the thicker you paint, the darker will be the tone, and the thinner, the lighter. When the lights and shadows have been mapped out, if this has been done with any accuracy, your work should be well advanced, and it now remains to correct and refine it here and there as you feel it wants it. Place your work alongside the cast and walk back to correct it. Faults that are not apparent when close are easily seen at a little distance. I don't suggest that this is the right or only way of painting, but I do suggest that exercises of this description will teach the student many of the rudimentary essentials of painting, such elementary things as how to lay a tone, how to manage a brush, how to resolve appearances into a simple structure of tones, and how to manipulate your paint so as to express the desired shape. This elementary paint drawing is, as far as I know, never given as an exercise, the study of drawing at present being confined to paper and charcoal or chalk mediums. Drawing in charcoal is the nearest thing to this paint drawing, it being a sort of mixed method, half-line and half-mass drawing, but although allied to painting, it is a very different thing from expressing form with paint and no substitute for some elementary exercise with the brush. The use of charcoal to the neglect of line drawing often gets the student into a sloppy manner of work and is not so good at training to the eye and hand in clear, definite statement. Its popularity is no doubt due to the fact that you can get much effect with little knowledge. Although this painting into a middle tone is not by any means the only method of painting, I do feel that is the best method for studying form of expression with the brush. But when you come to color, the fact of the opaque middle tone or half tone being first painted over the whole will spoil the clearness and transparency of your shadows, 
and may also interfere with the brilliancy of the color in the lights when color comes to be considered it may be necessary to adopt many expedients that it is as well not to trouble too much about until a further stage is reached but there is no necessity for the half-tone to be painted over the shadows in working in color the half-tone or middle tone of the lights can be made and a middle tone of the shadows and these two first painted separately the edges where they come together being carefully studied and finished afterwards the variety of tone in the lights and the shadows can be added by this means the difference in the quality of the color between lights and shadows is preserved this is an important consideration as there is generally a strong contrast between them the shadows usually being warm if the lights are cool and vice versa and such contrasts greatly affect the vitality of coloring try always to do as much as possible with one stroke of the brush paint has a vitality when the touches are deft that much handling and continually touching kills look carefully at the shape and variety of the tone you wish to express and try and manipulate the swing of your brush in such a way as to get in one touch as near the quality of shape and gradation you want remember that the lightest part of your touch will be where the brush first touches the canvas when you are painting lights into a middle tone and that as the amount of paint in the brush gets less so the tone will be more affected by what you are painting into and get darker and in painting the shadows the darkest part of your stroke will be where the brush first touches the canvas and it will gradually lighten as the paint in your brush gets less and therefore more affected by the tone you are painting into if your brush is very full it will not be influenced nearly so much and if one wants a touch that shall be distinct as would be the case in painting a shiny light on a glazed pot a very full brush would be used but generally speaking get your effects with as little paint as possible thinner paint is easier to refine and manipulate there will be no fear of its not being solid if you are painting into a solidly scumbled middle tone many charming things are to be done with a mixture of solid and transparent paint but it is well at first not to complicate the problem too much and therefore to leave this until later on when you are competent to attack problems of color keep your early work both in monochrome and color quite solid but as thin as you can reserving thicker paint for those occasions when you wish to put a touch that shall not be influenced by what you are painting into it will perhaps be as well to illustrate a few of the different brush strokes and say something about the different qualities of each 
These are only given as typical examples of the innumerable ways a brush may be used as an aid to very elementary students. Every artist will, of course, develop ways of his own. The touch will of necessity depend in the first instance upon the shape of the brush. And these shapes are innumerable, but there are two classes into which they can roughly be divided flat and round. The round brushes, usually sold, which we will call class A, have rather a sharp point. And this, although helpful in circumstances, is against their general usefulness. But a round brush with a round point is also made, and this is much more convenient for mass drawing. Where there is a sharp point, the central hairs are much longer and consequently when the brush is drawn along and pressed so that all the hairs are touching the canvas, the pressure in the center where the long hairs are situated is different from that at the sides. This has the effect of giving a touch that is not equal in quality all across, and the variety thus given is difficult to manipulate. I should therefore advise the student to try the blunt-ended round brushes first, as they give a much more even touch, and one much more suited to painting in planes of tone. The most extreme flat brushes, class B, are thin and rather short, with sharp square ends, and have been very popular with students. They can be relied upon to give a perfectly flat, even tone but with a rather hard, sharp edge at the sides, and also at the commencement of the touch. In fact, they make touches like little square bricks. But as the variety that can be got out of them is limited, and the amount of paint they can carry so small that only short strokes can be made, they are not the best brush for general use. They are, at times, when great refinement and delicacy are wanted, very useful, but are, on the whole, poor tools for the draftsman in paint. Some variety can be got by using one or other of their sharp corners, by which means the smallest possible touch can be made to begin with, which can be increased in size as more pressure is brought to bear, until the whole surface of the brush is brought into play. They are also often used to paint across the form, a manner illustrated in the second touch, columns one and two of the illustrations on page 114. Transcriber's note, plate 26. A more useful brush, class C, partakes of the qualities of both flat and round. It is made with much more hair than the last is longer and has a square top with rounded corners. This brush carries plenty of paint, will lay an even tone, and from the fact that the corners are rounded and the pressure consequently lessened at the sides does not leave so hard an edge on either side of your stroke. Another brush that has recently come into fashion is called a filbert shape. Class D, by the makers. It is a fine brush to draw with, as being flat 
it paints in planes and having a rounded top is capable of getting in and out of a variety of contours they vary in shape some being more pointed than others the blunt-ended form is the best for general use either this class of brush or class c are perhaps the best for the exercises in mass drawing we have been describing but class a should also be tried and even class b to find out which suits the particular individuality of the student on page one fourteen transcribers note plate twenty six a variety of touches have been made in turn by these different shaped brushes in all the strokes illustrated it is assumed that the brush is moderately full of paint of a consistency a little thinner than that usually put up by color men to thin it mix a little turpentine and linseed oil in equal parts with it and get it into easy working consistency before beginning your work so as not to need any medium in the first column number one a touch firmly painted with an equal pressure all along its course is given this gives you a plane of tone with firm edges the width of your brush getting gradually darker or lighter as your brush empties according to the length of the stroke and to whether you are painting into a lighter or darker ground in column number two a drag touch is illustrated this is a very useful one the brush is placed firmly on the canvas and then dragged from the point lightly away leaving a gradated tone a great deal of the modeling in round objects is to be expressed by this variety of handling the danger is that its use is apt to lead to a too dexterous manner of painting a dexterity more concerned with the clever manner in which a thing is painted than with the truth expressed column number three this is a stroke lightly and quickly painted where the brush just grazes the surface of the canvas the paint is put on in a manner that is very brilliant and at the same time of a soft quality if the brush is only moderately full soft touches will not have any hard edges but be of a light feathery nature it is a most useful manner of putting on paint when freshness of color is wanted as it prevents one tone being churned up with another and losing its purity and in the painting of hair where the tones need to be kept very separate and at the same time not hard it is very useful but in monochrome painting from the cast it is of very little service another method of using a brush is hatching the drawing of rows of parallel lines in either equal or varying thickness this method will lighten or darken a tone in varying degree according to whether the lines are thick thin or gradated somewhat in the same way that lines of shading are drawn in line work 
in cases where the correction of intricate modeling is desired and where it would be very difficult to alter a part accurately by a deft stroke of the brush this method is useful to employ a dry brush can be drawn across the lines to unite them with the rest of the work afterwards this method of painting has lately been much used by those artists who have attempted a painting in separate pure colors after the so-called manner of claude monet although so mechanical a method is seldom used by that master as your power of drawing increases from the line drawing you have been doing casts of hands and heads should be attempted in the same manner as has been described illustrations are given of exercises of this description on pages one ten and one twenty two unfortunately the photographs which were taken from the same study at different stages during the painting are not all alike the first painting of the lights being too darkly printed in some cases but they show how much can be expressed with the one tone when variety is got by using the middle tone to paint into the two tones used are noted in the right-hand lower corner try to train yourself to do these studies at one sitting but if you find you cannot manage this use slower drying colors say bone brown and zinc white which will keep wet until the next day when you begin studying from the life proceed in the same way with monochrome studies painted into a middle tone and what are you to do if you find when you have finished that all is wrong i should advise you to let it dry and then scramble a middle tone right over the whole thing as you did at first which will show the old work through and you can then correct your drawing and proceed to paint the lights and shadows as before and if only a part of it is wrong when it is quite dry rub a little poppy oil thinned with turpentine over the work as little as will serve to cover the surface if it is found difficult to get it to cover breathe on the canvas the slightest moisture will help it to bite when this is done wipe it off with the palm of your hand or an old piece of clean linen now paint a middle tone right over the part you wish to retouch being careful about joining it up to the surrounding work and proceed as before drawing in the light and shadow masses this form of drawing you will probably find more difficult at first for the reason already explained it seems natural to observe objects as made up of outlines not masses the frame with cottons across it should be used to flatten the appearance as in making outline drawings and besides this a black glass should be used this can easily be made by getting a small piece of glass a photographic negative will do and sticking some black paper on the back turning it over the front to keep the raw edges of the glass from cutting the fingers or the glass can be painted on the back with black paint standing with your back to the object and your painting 
Hold this glass in front of one of your eyes, the other being closed, so that you can see both your painting and the object. Seeing the tones thus reduced and simplified, you will be enabled more easily to correct your work. I should like to emphasize the importance of the setting out work, necessary for brush drawing. While it is not necessary to put expressive work into this preparatory work, the utmost care should be taken to ensure its accuracy as far as it goes. It is a great nuisance if, after you have put up some of your fair structure, you find the foundations are in the wrong place, and the whole thing has to be torn down and shifted. It is of the utmost necessity to have the proportions and the main masses settled at this early stage, and every device of blocking out with square lines and measuring with your knitting needle, etc., should be adopted to ensure the accuracy of these large proportions. The variations and emphases that feeling may dictate can be done in the painting stage. This initial stage is not really a drawing at all, but a species of mapping out, and as such it should be regarded. The only excuse for making the elaborate preparatory drawings on canvas, students sometimes do, is that it enables them to learn the subject so that when they come to paint it they already know something about it but the danger of making these preparatory drawings interesting is that the student fears to cover them up and lose an outline so carefully and lovingly wrought and this always results in poor painting when you take up a brush to express yourself it must be with no fear of hurting the careful drawing your drawing is going to be done with the brush, and only the general setting out of the masses will be of any use to you in the work of this initial stage. Never paint with the poor spirit of the student who fears to lose his drawing, or you will never do any fine things in painting. Drawing, expressing form, is the thing you should be doing all the time, and in art, he that would save his work must often lose it, if you will excuse the paraphrase of a profound saying, which, like most profound sayings, is applicable to many things in life besides what it is originally referred to. It is often necessary, when a painting is nearly right, to destroy the whole thing in order to accomplish the apparently little that still divides it from what you conceive it should be it is like a man rushing a hill that is just beyond the power of his motor-car to climb he must take a long run at it and if the first attempt lands him nearly up at the top but not quite he has to go back and take the long run all over again to give him that impetus that shall carry him right through Another method of judging tone-drawing is our old method of half-closing the eyes. This, by lowering the tone and widening the focus, enables you to correct the work more easily. In tone-drawing there is not only the shape of the masses to be considered, but their values, that is, their position in an imagined scale from dark to light. The relation of the different tones in this way, the values it is called, 
is an extremely important matter in painting but it more properly belongs to the other department of the subject namely color and this needs a volume to itself but something more will be said on the subject when treating of rhythm we saw in speaking of line drawing how the character of a line was found by observing its flatness and its relation to straight lines in the same way the character of modeling is found by observing its planes so that in building up a complicated piece of form like a head or figure the planes or flat tones should be sought for everywhere as a carver in stone blocks out his work in square surfaces the modeling of a figure or any complex surface that is being studied should be set out in planes of tone painting in the first instance the larger ones and then to these adding the smaller when it will be seen that the roundnesses have with a little fusing of edges here and there been arrived at good modeling is full of these planes subtly fused together nothing is so characteristic of bad modeling as gross roundedness the surface of a sphere is the surface with the least character like the curve of a circle and the one most to be avoided in good modeling in the search for form the knowledge of anatomy and particularly the bony structures is of the utmost importance during the rage for realism and naturalism many hard things were said about the study of anatomy and certainly were to be used to overstep the modesty of nature in these respects and to be paraded to the exclusion of the charm and character of life it would be as well left alone but if we are to make a drawing that shall express something concrete we must know something of its structure whatever it is in the case of a human figure it is impossible properly to understand its action and draw it in a way that shall give a powerful impression without a knowledge of the mechanics of its construction but i hardly think the case for anatomy needs much stating at the present time never let anatomical knowledge tempt you into exaggerated statements of internal structure unless such exaggeration helps the particular thing you wish to express in drawing a figure in violent action it might for instance be essential to the drawing whereas in drawing a figure at rest or a portrait it would certainly be out of place in the chapter on line work it was stated that lines of shading drawn across the forms suggest softness lines drawn in curves fullness of form lines drawn down the forms hardness and lines crossing in every direction atmosphere and these rules apply equally well to the direction of the brush strokes the brushwork in a painting the brush swinging round the forms suggests foreshortening and fullness of form generally and across the forms softness 
while the brush following down the forms suggests toughness and hardness and crossing in every direction atmosphere a great deal of added force can be given to form expression in this way in the foreshortened figure on the ground at the left of tintoretto's finding of the body of st mark the foreshortened effect helped by the brushwork swinging round can be seen see illustration page two thirty six transcriber's note plate forty nine the work of henner in france is an extreme instance of the quality of softness and fleshiness got by painting across the form the look of toughness and hardness given by the brushwork following down the forms is well illustrated in much of the work of james ward the animal painter in his picture in the national gallery harlech castle number eleven fifty eight this can be seen in the painting of the tree trunks etc the crossing of the brushwork in every direction giving a look of atmosphere is naturally often used in painting backgrounds and also such things as the plain surfaces of sky and mist etc it is often inconvenient to paint across the form when softness is wanted it is only possible to have one color in your brush sweep and the color changes across much more than down the form as a rule for the shadows half-tones and lights besides varying in tone vary also in color so that it is not always possible to sweep across them with one color it is usually more convenient to paint down where the colors can be laid in overlapping bands of shadow half-tone and light etc nevertheless if this particular look of softness and fleshiness is desired either the painting must be so thin or the tones so fused together that no brush strokes show or a dry flat brush must afterwards be drawn lightly across when the painting is done to destroy the downward brush strokes and substitute others going across great care being taken to drag only from light to dark and to wipe the brush carefully after each touch and also never to go over the same place twice or the paint will lose vitality this is a method much employed by artists who delight in this particular quality but when a strong tough look is desired such as one sees when a muscle is in violent action or in the tendon above the wrist or above the heel in the leg or generally where a bone comes to the surface in all these cases the brushwork should follow down the forms it is not necessary and is often inadvisable for the brushwork to show at all in which case those principles will be of little account but when in vigorously painted work they do i think it will generally be found to create the effects named drawing on toned paper with white chalk or chinese white and black or red chalk is another form of mass drawing and for studies it is intended to paint from this is a quick and excellent manner the rapidity with which the facts of an appearance can be noted makes it above all others the method for drapery studies the lights are drawn with white 
the toned paper being allowed to show through where a darker tone is needed the white either chalk or chinese white being put on thickly when a bright light is wanted and thinly where a quieter light is needed so with shadows the chalk is put on heavily in the darks and less heavily in the lighter shadows since the days of the early italians this has been a favorite method of drawing drapery studies see illustrations on page 260 transcribers note plate 65 some artists have shaded their lights with gold and silver paint the late sir edward burne jones was very fond of this and drawings with much decorative charm have been done this way the principle is the same as in drawing with white chalk the half tone being given by the paper keep the lights separate from the shadows let the half-tone paper always come as a buffer state between them get as much information into the drawing of your lights and shadows as possible don't be satisfied with a smudge effect use the side of your white chalk when you want a mass or work in parallel lines hatching on the principle described in the chapter on line drawing end of chapter nine